I realize your guys' show is for the lore, which seems like it actually for the lore, and it almost <laughs> works. You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Joining Roger is Joe, writer from WoW Insider and World of Maticus, and Vince from Massive Nerd. Well, welcome to For the Lord. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, September 19th. And it feels good to be back on Monday, our old night. I know that we were on Tuesday nights for a little while there, but I don't know. There's something about Monday that just feels right. As always, we've got Vince as well as Joe. I I know I said Vince first, but let's go with Joe just so that we can follow protocol here. (laughs) Joe, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing much better. How are you? I'm all right. So you're on your new schedule now, too. Yeah, don't like it. It's added 12 hours to my work week, but I'll suck it up and deal with it. Basically, that's what you got to do. That's, yep. that's how you pay for the games, brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how I pay for my tax write-offs. <laughs> how are you doing, Vince? Uh, it's good to be home. Good to be home? Yeah, after your grueling, the fuck were you? your grueling six-hour shift? <laughs> You're not going to live that down. <laughs> six-hour shift is not wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute. He was seriously <laughs> bitching about a six-hour shift? Yes, he was. When there's more than six hours of work to do, yes. (laughs) But it was still all done within six hours. You you were paid for six hours and you worked six hours, correct? Correct. Okay. All right, we're done talking. Okay, Okay. let's talk about some games. (laughs) We actually just got some information about DC Universe Online. And I, I don't know, I maybe I'm in the minority here, but I'm actually a little surprised that they decided to go free to play. And that's going to be starting in October. I, I don't know. I know that I expected from a lot of MMOs, if not even most MMOs to eventually go free to play. However, because this is a Sony project, I actually was not expecting it to go free to play, even though it really is not doing that well. Well, it's like they they don't know what they got to do to make it work. They've been throwing so many things out there over the last couple months. I mean, the uh, the Green Lantern DLC suddenly becoming free. Their big uh, move to the super servers, as they called them, which is you know a fancy way of saying server merge. So like they're everything they've tried, I guess, hasn't worked. So they're panicking. It almost seems like. Well, with good reason too, especially when you consider right now, DC Universe Online has a three to one split between uh, PS3 subscriptions to PS or to PC subscriptions, right? And that number is still incredibly low. Um, and when you're losing your niche market, which is the MMO gamer on PCs, um, you're going to hurt. You're going to hurt. And you're going to look for ways to make that money back. You're going to look for ways to breathe life into your IP. And right now going free to play, it's, it's really the only thing they have left that they can really honestly do and have a fair shot. Well, the thing too, is that when we look at the success that other games are having, 
from going to free to play and that it is breathing life into the game and making it so that it's lasting a lot longer than we originally thought it would. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I am surprised that Lord of the Rings online is still going and, and doing well. I kind of am. And same thing with champions online. I'm, I'm surprised that it's still actually it's still doing all right, apparently. So when you're looking at other games and some of the things that we've heard as well about how well they're doing with the free-to-play model, I, again, it's not surprising, but I still thought that Sony being the, you know, I don't want to say money-grubbing kind the of. The last holdout. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they're doing it. Now, is it a good plan, pay-to-play plan kind of thing? Well, that's kind of interesting because when you're looking at the free players, and I'm going to read off exactly what they have in their press release here. So for your free players, because there's three tiers, uh, new players will now have access to the current gameplay at DC Universe Online, including Gotham City, Metropolis, and all current raids and alerts, with the ability to create two characters, join a league, and many other benefits. <laughs> they should put that between quotes. Many other benefits. <laughs> <laughs> free level players will be able to purchase downloadable, downloadable game packs, updates, additional character slots, powers, and more through microtransactions. Powers? What 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 is that about? I'd like to know. Probably more. something similar to what Champions Online does, where you can buy like a special skill set. Yeah, but they don't uh, have that kind of thing now. So the, there's uh, not a whole lot of powers anyway. Yeah, with the exception of like the new Sinestro or Green Lantern and Sinestro stuff, the, there's no other power. So obviously that's coming down the pipe. Your yeah, premium, yeah, your premium ones. This is where it gets a little interesting. Any player who has spent at least five U.S. dollars, including former paid subscribers and new players who have paid five dollars off in-game items, will qualify qualify for the premium access level. Premium level players will have more benefits available to them than free level players. Well, of course they will, including additional character slots, but they don't say how many. Additional inventory slots. Once again, don't say how many, and high. Higher cash limits. Whoa, whoa, where's that coming from? So now there's going to be a limit on cash too. Downloadable adventure packs, additional character slots, and more can be purchased in game, of course. And then you've got your legendary. Maximum features. <laughs> I love the, the wording. <laughs> should have put, yeah, that should have been bolded. Max, all four of our features. Yeah. <laughs> you get all the powers, dudes. Four things. Maximum features and benefits are included at this, this level. Loaded with enhanced additional features, <laughs> legendary access will be available for $14.99 USD, the current monthly fee, uh, and include all DS, DLC packages at no cost yeah that's a that's backtracking on their freaking green lantern shit more than 15 character slots what is more what that means 16 more than 80 inventory slots the ability to form unrestricted size leagues and many other benefits okay so <laughs> what this means now is that i played before i paid so i should be part of this premium Yes. Between my son and I, we have quite a few characters that we had going on. How many am I going to be able to play? We don't know. I'm guessing four. You'll be able to play additional. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> How many slots you get? Additional. That's the number. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, I am like, hmm, okay. I, <laughs> it, it will make it so that 
if I focus all my attention, say, on one character, which I had two main ones that I focused most of my attention on. If I focus on those two, and my son does one or two as well kind of thing, if we can manage that. Um, and if I'm able to play DLC that comes out unrestricted, so this freaking Green Lantern thing that came out, if it's kind of unrestricted and I can play through it all, and but I have to buy it, and it's, say, that 15 bucks. I would consider that if I'm not having to dish out 15 bucks every month. I don't know. What about you guys? Eh? The game's loss is luster. I mean, for me, it really, it's it's one of those things where free to play. Okay. I'll probably pop in at least a couple times. I'll reinstall. I'll get back in. I'll see what's going on every now and then. Uh, kind of like, you know, champions online, but I don't think it's going to have the same staying power for me, even after it goes free to play. Unlike Lord of the Rings, uh, where I think Turbine has a fantastic uh, free-to-play setup going on, I'm not sure Sony can pull off the same numbers and the same revival. Even if they go out of their way to introduce more DLC packs that are along the same quality line as what we saw with um, the Green Lantern stuff? I don't think they have enough in the, I don't think they're going to have enough juice in the tank to keep putting that caliber of content out. Okay. Vince? I'm at least excited that I now finally get to try out those nifty Green Lantern powers, but Only as if you I pay for them. Well, no, it, 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 that's part of the current DC Online content, so that should be available. Yep. Yeah, you know what? I should actually be. was con- I was wondering that, but because it wasn't in there, I actually was thinking well, that it's it not, probably it's a total wouldn't. Fuck up. <laughs> it, it would take a company the caliber of Sony to screw up that badly. But you, we'll, Dude, we'll get to that later. Yeah, really, because <laughs> that's we can't even fathom that. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let's just jump to that right now <laughs> because it's worth talking about this Sony clusterfuck with the new terms of agreements that they actually put out. Uh, Joe, you're the one that found this, so I'll let you take it. Oh, yeah. Um, so, recent update to the PS3 brings with it a change to the EULA for users, the end-user licensing agreement. Namely, that it removes the rights for the user to join any class action lawsuit against Sony Entertainment. To quote... And let me, let me, let me, just so we get the legalese out of the way. Any dispute resolution proceedings, whether in arbitration or court, will be conducted only on an individual basis and not in a class or representative action, or as a named or unnamed member in a class consolidated representative or private attorney general legal action, unless both you and the Sony entity with which you have a dispute specifically agree to do so in writing following initiation of the arbitration. This provision does not preclude your participation as a member in a class action filed before August 20th. 2011 yeah that means that no matter what you basically have to shell out of your pocket a crap ton of money to go against sony's crack legal team as an individual to make any sort of lawsuits from here on out if you you know update your ps3 which it's not optional you can't not do it now i can't believe that's legal i'm gonna i blame at&t AT&T had the Supreme Court of the United States rule in on this exact same thing. Yes. While all the lower courts had overturned AT&T, the Supreme Court allowed AT&T to go through with it. So Sony Sony is just the first of many companies who are going to be following this path. 
there's some interesting things on that, which we'll get to in a second here. Now, continuing on, the interesting part is that um, this comes right on the on the heels of the Sony PSN being hacked. It seems like an odd move to many, um, especially when they're in a place of such a delicate balance, right? You know, people don't trust them. They don't want to trust them. They're concerned with what Sony is going to do in the future if they have their best interests at heart and if they're really secure. So why put something like this in place and scare the shit out of people? Uh, the other part about this is that there is no real way to opt out of the update. Yes, there is. Or oh, the not there, there's there's no way to opt out of the update electronically. Exactly. You have to actually mail them yeah, to that's opt the out. That, that's the thing. You have to send an old-fashioned letter. An old-fashioned letter, folks. That means you have to sit down, print it out, stuff it in an envelope, uh, lick it close, put a stamp on it, toss it in a box, and pray that it gets there um, before you can actually you know, retain your right to join a class action lawsuit. Um, so if you're going to do this, if you're going to opt out of it, I highly suggest you send that shit registered mail folks, because you want that nice little signature from that person at the front desk of Sony saying that they received it. And then if they say that they didn't get it, you can say, well, she says you did. Um, now in some States, this is actually still illegal. New York state being one of them, you cannot sign away your right to any part of grand jury um, or in this case, uh, the like mass lawsuit, you, the class action suits, you cannot sign away your rights to those in New York state, uh, whether or not the federal or Supreme court has any ruling on that one of their own, uh, with AT&T, New York state will actually fight for you on this. I think other states might follow suit. I'm, I'm seriously going to have to check to see whether or not, cause some, somebody definitely would have found out whether or not this is, um, legal in Canada because I'm going to have to find out whether or not it is because I cannot believe that this is something that is actually, I, I can't believe that it's legal anywhere, let alone, I mean, it, it blows my mind that they would do something like this. Considering all the crap right now that they're dealing mm-hmm. with, it blows my mind that they would pull a stunt like this. But I, what, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Oh, I am. I still am. I, I'm surprised that they're doing this now. It's it's complete and utter stupidity is what it is. But it it again, it blows my mind that a it's basically like selling you a car. And then when you get out of the dealership or whatever, and it breaks down or something, you make the person sign something saying, yeah, you'll fix it. But then they can't put gas in the tank, you know, if you, without your permission or whatever, and you you can't use the device after without, you know, if something goes wrong without suing the the company or whatever, you, you, we already have the PS3s. So, and, and a lot of the games, certain firmware is mandatory for it as well. We paid for the device. So then being able to sue class action lawsuit, if they do something like they did, which is entirely their fault and they screwed up then, and taking that right away to me blows my mind. It's different if it was there and it's okay. You know, if you're buying a new PS3, that that's there now. So then you have the right to, to say, okay, no, I'm not buying one then based on that. But if you already freaking own it, that we own it. You don't. You shouldn't have the right to to be able to do that. Incest. It sucks, but it is I, what I it agree, is. But it is legal. Yeah. I mean, on a federal level, it is legal, and that sucks. Um, honestly, I I think that this is either going to get rescinded or changed later because I'm pretty sure Sony is going to get under the gun for this one. I mean, 
I hope How so. Can not. How can they not at this point? Yeah, I, I really hope so. It's it's <laughs> it's a little frustrating this episode because I'm so pissed off at them with this. And yet <laughs> a lot of the freaking PS Vita news that came out was pretty awesome. <laughs> and I'm kind of excited about it. And yet in the back of my mind, I'm still pissed off at Sony. <laughs> so it's it's a double-edged sword. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Vita in the moment. Let's talk about some other TGS stuff that came out though. There was some Square Enix news that Vince, you were writing about. Okay, yeah, so Tokyo Game Show happened this past week, and Square Enix, of course, being one of Japan's top companies, had a very large presence there. And we're going to start off, first of all, they announced the project that millions of people have been waiting for. Coming soon to both the PlayStation Vita and the PS3, finally, after all these years, a high-definition remake of Final Fantasy X. <laughs> Troll. Sorry, go continue. Now, I loved Final Fantasy X. I don't have a problem with this. I would love to play it on my Vita. So, I mean, win all around for me. I, I just, I can only imagine what the Final Fantasy VII fanboys are going through on this. That's, that's the thing, because the buildup they gave it, too. Did you see that? No. <laughs> they had, like, this huge fanfare, like, the game that everybody's been waiting for. And, like, stuff like this. And then to reveal this, it is hysterical. All right. Well, coming away from that in other Final Fantasy related news, uh, we got a lot, a big look at Final Fantasy 13 Part 2 at E3. But at that point, I wasn't terribly interested in it. It had no release date. It, I assumed it was coming out in another seven or eight years. So I really wasn't looking that much at it. However, at Tokyo Game Show, they finally did give it an actual release date. It will be out in December over in Japan, coming to the States on America, or on America, <laughs> on January 31st. And, uh, Europe a couple days after that. So now that the game actually exists, I did take a closer look at it and I'm interested. Now, unlike Joe, I'm one of the people who actually did enjoy Final Fantasy 13. And we're not going to get into that discussion right now. But smart man. <laughs> what we're seeing here with Final Fantasy 13 Part 2 is Square is has taken a look at all the criticisms they got from the first game, and they really want to address those. Um, first of all, they say 13 was a very story-driven game, very linear, and I buy that. It was there. And they're trying to make Part 2 a player-driven game. They want to in include a lot of those options that people were asking for. Uh, first of all, uh, there's going to be branching paths. There's going to be exploration. You're going to have control over how your quests play out. Uh, they showed one scenario where you could go fight the big-ass golem. Or you could do some other quests first that would make the golem weaker. And for, it, I think that's great because for a regular player, make the golem weaker, go take it out. But Final Fantasy RPG players love having that insane challenge of being able to fight the golem at full strength. That's a cool little option. Uh, they're bring, bringing back full towns with shops and NPC inhabitants with fully voiced dialogue. They've even said they're, they're doing dialogue trees. They're actually not going to affect the game so much, but the dialogue options that you're given are going to be different from playthrough to playthrough. Very interesting. Stuff we don't really see much out of Japan. Uh, looking at the game itself, it takes place five years after the first game and focuses on Sarah and a new character, Noel, as they search for Sarah's sister, Lightning, who is missing and presumed dead, while the people of the world try to rebuild down on Grand Pulse and monsters are everywhere and they're getting their asses fucked up. So 
The monsters play an important part in the game as you can capture them and actually use them in your party. The monsters have various roles that tie into the paradigm system, which I absolutely loved the paradigm system from the first game. So building more depth upon that, I'm all for it. Um, they're just doing a lot of good things here that are taking what worked in Final Fantasy 13 and keeping that and just building upon what didn't work. Unlike what we saw for the sequel to Final Fantasy X, it's not a complete overhaul. They're taking the good parts and just pulling out the bad parts and replacing them, which works for me. And while I don't have that much time uh, around that around that time between Reckoning and Mass Effect and whatnot, it's a game that I will definitely at least look at, unlike the sequel to Final Fantasy X, which I took one look at, left, and never saw it again. Okay. Also at TGS, there was, like I was saying, a lot of Vita news, a lot of Vita news. They seem to be really pushing it, which makes sense considering that the device is actually going to be coming out very soon in Japan. Now, one of the things that I liked was that they did say that the Vita is actually going to be region free, which means... If you've got a contact in Japan <laughs> who's willing to stand in a line for you and ship it to you like they did with Pokemon cards, <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> you can actually get your hands on one of these early. I kind of think that's awesome. I kind of, <laughs> I, I don't know that I, I don't know. I'm going to have to check to see what the conversion rate and everything would be kind of thing. And if it'd be worth shipping it, um, but that's kind of cool to get your hand on one quite a few months ahead of time. Just based on some of the titles, not all of them, but some of the titles that we're seeing that are going to be launching, I am fairly interested in them. Oh, yes. Like that Ridge Racer video blew me away. <laughs> yeah, between Ridge Racer and then we got some more information on the Uncharted Golden Abyss as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dude, <laughs> I'm going to play the video for the audience here. The The video for this Uncharted was just absolutely fantastic and it was actual um gameplay footage as well that they showed i guess it's not gonna play it doesn't like me it was awesome it was great and then there was oh it will all right i'm gonna turn the volume down and play that for the folks it was i just think it's freaking awesome and then they also showed a really awesome uh marvel versus capcom video which it was you had to kind of dig a little bit and somebody had actually linked it and it was entirely in Japanese. So you're not going to understand a word of it unless you speak Japanese, of course. But it looked freaking awesome. And I'm not a huge fan of those on consoles, but to actually have on a handheld to play wherever you want kind of thing. I kind of like that, actually. Yeah. Uh, MVC3, as well as the new Blaze Blue title we're seeing coming, they're very fast-paced fighters, unlike Street Fighter or Tekken, which is more tactical. These games are all about just absolute insanity, and seeing that they, this game has, or the system has the processing power to keep up with that at the speed that it is on consoles without a dip in graphics, that's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, see, I'm playing that freaking Uncharted. Dude, I can't, oh, man, I have to play oh, it. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be playing it as well. <laughs> like, I have to. And so were there any of the other games that actually struck you as well? Um, of course, like I said, Ridge Racer. I loved Ridge Racer back on the PlayStation, and that just looked freaking gorgeous. Again, on the screen, that that graphical fidelity at that high frame rate, I, that's amazing from a handheld for me. I, I agree. I really, really agree. I was blown away, especially. It's, it's really nice to see a, a handheld that's going to be coming out that the games are going to be ready to showcase it right away. Um, I Yes, give me more. Oh, more. 
see, he was just doing the puzzles where you're using the touchscreen as well and doing stuff. And it just fits with an Uncharted game. It just feels like it's going to fit in terms of what you're doing in the game kind of thing. I, again, I know that there's going to be a lot more, um, I don't want to say gimmicks, but for lack of a term, they're going to use as many of the devices, motion movement things as possible because it's actually not Naughty Dog that's putting it out. It's, it's you know, it's they're working with Naughty Dog, of course, but it, but it's a different team. So it's to showcase the device. But I'm hoping that, say, with when when the next one comes out, because quite obviously, I'm, I'm quite certain this will be one of the top games for the device when it comes out. Oh yeah. I mean, if it you're buying the Vita, you're, you're buying an Uncharted game. And I'm hoping that when the next ones come out, that perhaps they do a little less and they focus on really, really solid gameplay, which isn't to imply that this won't have that, but you know what I mean. Um, what else? I saw something else here too that looked friggin' awesome that, oh, the, the freaking Hot Shots game. Something as simple as that looked great. And I was thinking, you know what? Again, just for a little game to play when you're out and about or whatever kind of thing, I, I don't want to sit at a console to play those, but to sit wherever and just have it on a handheld, dude, I'm all for it. It's great. There's a ton of potential, and that's really we're starting to see it. You know what I mean? Like we're always we're always skeptical of the new the new system, the new games, and you know what is it actually going to do? What is it going to be able to do? Uh, is it going to be worthwhile? And we're starting to really see that. You know, we suspected there was going to be potential. We definitely enjoyed it. We you know we saw it its first release and we were definitely excited. I know all of us were. Um, and this is just further going to prove the point. You know, if you put the games behind it, you showcase the technology, you do it right. People are going to salivate for it. And I know that I'm definitely salivating for it. Yeah. The only thing that I'm not impressed with was they did announce the battery life on this sucker, which you're looking at, what was it? I think it was like three to five hours that they were saying Mm -hmm. that is not not very surprised at all. Oh, I am. I still am. I mean, again, it's. There's a reason why um, Apple laptops and iPads and, and the devices that they put their new batteries in have impressed people with their battery life. And that means something. A portable has to have good battery life. But Apple actually worked at developing those new batteries for those. I think that Sony needs to understand that if they want to stay in the market, they can't just rely on buying um, those products from other developers, they have to have their own in-house, maybe spend the money, develop a better battery life, better battery so that these devices can last longer because that is piss poor. That's, that's bad. And that's, you know, Wi-Fi off and, you know, all that other stuff. That's, well, the, that's recommended, br- the recommended <laughs> brightness setting. Oh, Jesus, what's that going to be at? The freaking recommended yeah. setting is going to be like 25%. The recommended setting is going to be bring a lamp. Yeah, really? Have a flashlight like handy. Game Boy Advance. <laughs> but, and then not using the external speakers, using um, headphones, and no, no Wi-Fi, no, uh, yeah, the brightness. There was something else, too. It was like, oh, holy crap. So basically, keep the machine turned off. Off. That's how you preserve your battery life. And, and it still only lasts five hours turned off. It's not good. <laughs> and then they, they kept comparing it to the, um, the the 3DS and saying, well, it's about the same thing, but it does a whole lot more. Yeah, but you know what? The 3DS actually displays twice that picture to accomplish that 3D effect. 
the processing power there is still really great. So you can't just say, oh yeah, yours is in HD, so it, it must be better. No, the other one is actually no, doing really. twice the work as what you think it's doing. So I'm not impressed with the battery life at all. I'm still, of course, impressed in the device. Luckily, <laughs> I mean, luckily, it's the first time I say luckily, I don't get out of the house all that much. I'm not moving around. I'm not taking this on the bus or whatever with me. So I will have you know, plugins all over the place. I, it's just another money grab for them to say, oh, we got this stand that you can buy. It's an alternate peripheral that you can plug your, your PSP in so that it'll stay charged or, oh, other battery peripherals as well that you can shell out more cash for. But, uh, but I know that I'll just, why not? Those were, remember the, uh, the Sony game or the Sega game gear. Yeah. Without the battery <laughs> pack, you couldn't play that sucker. And it was good for business. Well, that's what this is going to be. Okay, that said, again, there were some other screenshots as well. You guys can check out the show notes, and there's some links there to some of the other screenshots for some of the other games, like Escape Plan just looks awesome. Little black and white platformer game. Oh, dude, it, it it's just got style written all over it. And this, um, what's it called, Dungeon Hunter? Yeah, Dungeon Hunter Alliance. Oh. Yes, that looks awesome. Oh, that's just calling to the RPG gamer in me that's just the the go around and point and click diablo fest of oh awesomeness <laughs> it just looks cool and this legion of hell as well again the the the, the friggin screenshots for this is us awesome. and then again i've never hidden my love of little big planet my son and i oh man we played the crap out of that game both of them so yeah this very awesome I'm going to turn this off. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on to some other news that we have for this week as well. We actually got some World of Warcraft news, and it was once again for patch 4.3, which, I don't know, looking back at the hype for 4.2, there was quite a bit of hype and people were excited about it. But I don't know, the more the people are hearing about 4.3 and knowing that, of course, is going to be the last one, the hype is pretty huge and the excitement in-game is like palatable. You can feel it. Let me know when you're ready. That's your cue. That's my really? cue. There, did you uh, like geez. miss that long pause? No, that's the long pause. Oh. I wasn't sure if that was wine induced or not. Dude, might have oh. nodded off in the middle of your monologue. Keep talking. I'm just gonna have more to edit out. All right. So yes, we have a lot more information regarding patch 4.3. More specifically, in the lore surrounding the dungeons, the new five mans that are coming out, and the raid content, and how they are going to tie together. Um, this comes in the the curtails of the NDA being released, which regard which was in regards to numerous exclusive interviews by different news outlets with people high up in Blizzard Entertainment, such as Greg Street, otherwise known as Ghostcrawler, and Tom Chilton. Um, with it, with this information, we finally get the names of the the first three dungeon or the three new dungeons. The first of new five man being called End Time. In this dungeon, players will travel to a future in which Deathwing wins. The purpose of this journey is to prove to Nora's Damu that this is what will happen if he does not agree to send you back in time to the Well of Eternity in order to steal the Demon Soul, a relic of legend and immense power in the Warcraft universe that went missing. Now, there's a couple cool things about this. This instance in particular, um, not only are you facing, you know, the minions of Deathwing, you're facing, uh, there are two random bosses based on faction leaders from the Horde and Alliance. You can either wind up fighting Bane Bloodhoof, um, Sylvanas Windrunner, um, Jaina Proudmoore, and I believe the last one is Tyrand. 
um, Silvermoon or whatever the 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 chick that Illidan and uh, Malfurion fought over, you know, like little bitches. But they're basically thralled. Their ghosts are thralled to Deathwing, and you have to face two of them. On top of that, you also get to fight the aspect of the infinite dragon flight, which is named Maz Rondu or something like that. Basically, it's the Alucard of dragons. He is Nars Damu all jumbled up. Um, But it's kind of cool because it's finally coming to a head. Like all these stories that we've been seeing for years and years are finally coming ahead into a five-man content. After you, you defeat them, and you get, you know, Narzdamu's permission to travel the ways back to the, the Well of Eternity. Players go back in time and you help Thrall steal the Demon Soul, which is kind of cool because it was never explained how the Demon Soul went missing. It just went poof one day. Uh, this ultimate power that could have destroyed and saved so many things throughout all the conflicts, including the Great Wars. Uh, and and here you, you were, here's the explanation. There's finally tying up a loose end from damn near a decade ago and that's kind of cool um and basically you're going to not only are you going back to the well of eternity um and not only are you helping steal the demon soul you're going to get to fight against uh bosses like queen ashzara and manoroth who are iconic villains um queen ashara who descended her entire people into madness by making a pact with the evil sargeras himself you're getting to fight against them and actually participate in a very important piece of the world's history. The last five-man is called the Hour of Twilight, which players must escort Thrall to the Wormrest Temple. The entire instance, this entire dungeon, leads directly into the raid as the six bosses that you must defeat in this five-man dungeon leads directly into the raid. Basically, when you are done with these five mans, you are punching right into the story that they're giving in the raid. That is ridiculous. People think that the the three instances uh, from Ice Crown Citadel that were so epically tied in with Ice Crown Citadel, to be honest, they weren't. They were their own separate story. Here, you have a direct influence on everything leading up to the largest conflict in the game. And with the Looking for Dungeon tool coming in 4.3, even more people are going to be able to see the fight of Deathwing and actually participate in it, giving even more importance to the story of these five mans. That to me is a big one right there. Because again, I, I've I've said over and over again now over the years, my rating days are pretty much done. I, I did enough of that in the first couple of years of the game and that's pretty much it and it's ironically i've been having the same discussion with my new uh, my new guild leader that i'm in a new guild and they're freaking awesome i love them and ironically named the gray wardens <laughs> based on dragon age and uh great guild great guild leaders i've been having a ton of fun with them but uh it's funny because i've been having a discussion with them and i had to explain again i just i don't raid now that being said looking at what's going to be happening with the looking for raid tool that's something that i can actually see myself using sometimes the thing with the guild raids is yeah it is fantastic and so long as you have a good group unfortunately it's 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 very much like a funeral a family funeral where you really get to see (laughs) what people are really like kind of thing and you get that in in guild raids and sometimes the worst comes out in people and i don't like that i mean if you got a great bunch of people that you get along with do you really want to then be 
seeing them argue over loot or get petty and things like that. And I mean, I'm sure you can both agree, like we've seen that far too many times. And then there's a lot more pressure in the guild as well to, you know, for everything raid wise. Whereas, you know, you can take a much bigger laid back approach <laughs> to looking for dungeons or looking for raids. It's just one of those. If I screw up, I don't know you people. I don't give a red ass. I'll do the best I can. But if I fail, I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me that you died. Your repair costs, pfft, I don't care. <laughs> so I'm kind of looking forward to it. And I like the fact that I can do it at my own pace as well. That's the other big one, of course. Because your 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 guild stuff is set up at specific oh, yeah. times and whatnot. This, bounce in. There's going to be other people that are just like you that just want to bounce in whatever time to experience this. I love that. This almost makes me wish I had a level 85 character and could put up with the general populace of the game for more than 10 minutes without putting my fist through my monitor because this is admittedly pretty freaking cool. Well, the thing, too, is I look at it in terms of being able to group with perhaps a couple of your guild member friends or like if I'm well, on and Joe's on at the same time, then you and I can we go can on queue. and oh, then yeah. you can get a couple of people from your guild, me from mine kind of thing, that kind of thing. I like that. That's kind of cool. Well, uh, the, so the, the, the potential like, is there. The looking for dungeon tool is going to be a huge step forward, especially for like, I have a ton of alts and I can take my alts and actually pop into a raid with you. You know what I mean? Or I can take my main if it's a raid that I'm not saved to. And it doesn't have to be at a specific time. I just, you and me, we group up. I, whoever's the leader hits the button. We're now looking for, you know, raid. And next thing you know, we're kicking ass and taking names. And we get to have fun and do it at our own pace with people we choose to be with. And then if people are assets, toss them on ignore. You never have to see them in the looking for raid tool again. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And my freaking mage, I level 369 right now. Whoa. Nice. <laughs> of course, it's PvP gear, but you know what? I've done PvE <laughs> stuff with her, and I mean, she's probably missing more haste than anything else. But she's gonna got a ton of mastery and a ton of crit, dude. And freaking PvE stuff, she is kicking ass. It's unbelievable. I'm changing my opinion on mages, but only arcane mages. The other mages suck. Frost mage, you're an idiot. Fire mage, <laughs> poopy pants. I don't like you. <laughs> Arcane mages rule. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Or actually, was that it or was there anything else that we found out? I think that was it, right? That was it, yeah. That was it. That, well, that was okay. enough. That was enough. We're going to take a break, and actually, during the break, I've got a fantastic feature here from Joe, and it is a review of Wolfheart, the new novel. Surprisingly, you liked it. So we're going to take a break, and after that, we've got a ton of other awesome news to come up, including Guild Wars, Star Wars, uh, and of course, some, some, some Skyward Sword as well, which is kind of cool. So we'll be right back. Hello, my name is Joe, and I am from For the Lore. Today, we are going to be talking about Wolfheart, an Alliance novel set in the world of Warcraft by Richard Knack. Wolfheart takes place after the Shattering, Seeds of Faith, and the Lord of his pack, but far before the events we see in the Cataclysm storylines in the game. The Worgen's home in Darnassus has not yet been created, and along with that, the Worgen's still haven't even officially joined the Alliance. Unlike Thrall, a no the novel by Christine Golden, the story of Wolfheart takes on a series of different conflicts instead of focusing on one individual. It spans the conflicts of the Dwarf Clans of Ironforge, the conflicts between the Night Elves, the highborn of the Elder Thalas, who are trying to gain acceptance into Night Elf society, 
It also covers the conflicts in Ashenvale, where the Horde are pressing so far against the Alliance territories, they cannot hope to stand against them alone. Add to this that the Worgen of Gilneas have recently fled from their home and hope to gain acceptance into the Alliance, and you have quite a number of conflicts all being played out at the same time. Malfurion Stormrage does make an appearance in this novel, and he is all for the integration of the Worgen into the Alliance. He feels guilty about the curse that has befallen them, and he blames himself for it. There is, however, one person who is adamantly opposed to the Worgen being accepted, King Varian Rin. He also represents one of the larger conflicts in the book, more specifically, his inner turmoil. Since his two sides were merged, his charming and kingly side, as well as his more violent and brash Logosh side, he has become a very conflicted person. We see this in The Shattering, and in Wolfheart, Prince Anduin continues to deal with it, pitting father against son. King Rin doesn't want the Worgen in the Alliance based on Gilneas's past interactions with the Alliance, or, more specifically, their lack thereof. In the Second War, Gilneas pulled all support, and in the Third War did nothing and sat behind the Grey Main Wall. They did not help the former kingdom of Lauderon when the Forsaken were taken over. As a matter of fact, they were basically nowhere to be seen. As you can tell, this represents one of the larger conflicts in the entire story, as King Rin is, in all intents and purposes, the final say in who can and cannot become part of the Alliance. With the dwarves already stuck in their internal conflict between the three clans, the Wildhammer, the Dark Iron, and the Dwarves of Ironforge, they really don't have much say, as well as the Night Elves who have their own to deal with, and the Gnomes who are basically retrying to take their town and recreate their own area and have their own city instead of living with the Dwarves any longer. As for the Highborn, Morden Evershade makes a reappearance along with the rest of the erstwhile Sharon Duralar, seeking acceptance with the Nadalf Society. Unfortunately, the society does not seem to be as accepting as the Highborn swiftly find themselves the targets of a series of murders. Brought in to investigate is none other than Maeve Shadowsong, making her first appearance since Illidan's defeat in the Burning Crusade. No longer an outland, Maeve is just as obsessive about her tasks and the hunt for the killer as she was about the hunt for Illidan. Above all else, beyond all the conflicts, Wolfhard is a story about acceptance. The acceptance of the Worgen and the Alliance, the acceptance of the Highborn and the Night Elf Society, and even a young man's acceptance of whatever role the light happens to make for him. There's a lot of conflict and a lot of resolution in this. What impressed me was that, unlike Knack's other works, this seemed to flow very well. The pieces were not disjointed, everything came to a conclusion in a proper manner, and everything made sense. The characters were true to their characterizations throughout all the novels and short stories, as well as in the game itself. You can see how things were set up quite accurately and quite nicely. I highly recommend this novel to anybody interested in any of the Alliance lore. It's been a while since we've had a story that has been centered on the Alliance that was worth reading. Stormrage was a little weak, but this is very solid writing, very solid storytelling, very solid characterization, and a very compelling story for all the individuals involved. Conflicts between father and son, 
between different clans brought together under the same roof, between warring factions of the same race. All masterfully done and well put together. The book flows very well, it is an easy read, and should be read by anybody who has even the remote, remote interest in any Alliance lore in the world of Warcraft. Please keep in mind, though, that this does take place before the events of the Cataclysm game. So, if you read The Shattering, read this, then any lore you see after that that comes from the game, this is all canon. This is all set up, and this has all been greenlighted as canon by Blizzard Entertainment. <laughs> dramatic ending. Yes, dun, dramatic dun, ending. Dun, dun. <laughs> And we are back. Okay, we're going to touch now on some Guild Wars 2 news. What they've been doing is they've been having specific weeks dedicated to giving us a whole bunch of information about the different races. So we had it a while back that we had the... uh, Shoot, what was the other one? The Safari. The Silvari. Yeah, so exactly, the Silvari. And now, last week was the Asura, which is, again, cool, because I liked it when I was reading the the novels. I liked the Asura in there. I, I liked the race. I liked that background that they have as well, the lore for them. And so I really enjoyed reading through this this week. And now, Joe, I know that you read through it as well, right? I absolutely did, and I loved it. The Ashura were one of the races that I was really looking forward to. Um, they caught my eye when the races were first being talked about. Um, and you see these plucky little guys with these golems, and it's like, well, who the hell are they? Well, they're the Ashura. Um, and they are one of the more youngest races to the surface of Tyria. Um, they're small little creatures that may make you, they may remind you of like, Dwarves, gnomes, halflings, um, but they're really not. Um, it's They used to thrive in a vast underground civilization that spanned all across Tyria. Um, they were driven to the surface by the Great Destroyer, the Herald of the Elder Dragger Primordis. Dragon Primordis, excuse me. Um, after being driven to the surface, the race squatted among ruins of a failed race on the Tarnished Coast, using their mastery of arcing forces to regroup and rebuild in the strange new land. Um, players can find their mystic technology all across the entire world. Um, golems and their their different arcane uh, creations are used by all the races everywhere. Um, golems are used as workhorses. You can see their influence just about every race on the planet. Uh, almost, not all, but you know, almost every of them. Um, everything about the the race tells you that the race was evolved to live underground. They have really long ears so they can hear better. They have giant luminous eyes to see better in the dark. They have sharpened teeth to have to conform to an ominous diet, and they're really, really tiny. Um, basically, they were designed to thrive underground. So when they were pushed to the surface, they had to rely on their arcane uh, mastery in order to survive. Um, it, what they did is sort of how they cultivated their their expansion throughout the entire underground is it created these things called Ashura gates. They're basically like stargates uh, that can that were built on points of the strongest arcane power and were used as sort of way gates between all the different reaches so they could spread out everywhere. 
problem was one of these arcane points proved to be the home of the Elder Dragon Champion. Um, when the Great Destroyer woke, he used the Ashura Gates uh, to spread all the minions throughout the underground world that they had carved for themselves. This is actually one of the reasons why the Great Destroyer is so dangerous in the world now, because they have access to the old Ashura Gates. They can be anywhere, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so after they came to the surface, they used their golems and their arcane uh, masteries to push back the jungles and to, you know, levitate their buildings across all these dangerous outcroppings. Um, and basically they took whatever gates they could and reconfigured them to allow safe passage uh, above ground to the different uh, points across the dangerous lands. Uh, we get to hear about their greatest example of magical prowess, which is their capital city of Radom Sum. It started out as that original set of ruins. Um, it's now a huge floating cube riddled with interior passages. The upper reaches divide into smaller cubes. The highest points are the labs and meeting rooms of the Arcane Council, which are the leaders of the Ashura race. Um, and the lower reaches are still being dug out by servitors. So this huge, giant construct of the city is still evolving. So players who get to play as an Ashura or go to the Ashura city of Radom Sum are going to see a, a city that's alive and still growing. Um, it's kind of cool. The race does think of itself as individuals. Uh, they unite through different organizations that bind themselves together, like the Arcane Council, uh, which is supposed to be the collection of the greatest and most wise of the Ashura. They also enforce the laws of the people. Uh, most of Ashura society would rather be pursuing their own creative agendas instead of dealing with the internal conflicts of, of the different various people and groups. Um, but hey, they're there. Uh, they reside in the main city of Radom Sum. Uh, also in the main city are the Colleges of Statics, Dynamics, and Synergies, the main schools of essentially magic. Uh, each has a major complex where promising students, apprentices, and journeymen without their own labs can work and advance their knowledge. Each college has its own approach to magic, its each, each unique flair, um, which leads me to believe that we're going to have different uh, styles of Ashura within you know, character creation to help define you know, our character among all the other Ashura out there. Um, and while Radosum may be the center of the Ashura Empire, they have many, many cities spread throughout the entire lands uh, that you can be that you can go and see, as well as influences among most of the major cities. Um, this was really cool for me because this really was one of the races that I was most interested in because these aren't your traditional dwarves, these aren't your traditional gnomes or halflings, these aren't your you know traditional arcane-loving elves. They're something completely different and just utterly fascinating to me, and I can't wait to make one. Vince? They seem pretty cool. I mean, how can Gil how no how after all that? That's that's it? That's what you got? I, I still would prefer the Silvari or the big cat dudes, I forget what they're called. But how sure. can Guild Wars come up with these incredibly diverse and unique races and every other game is still giving us fucking dwarves and elves? Like this the amount of depth that they keep putting into this game that makes it so completely different from any other fantasy themed game is astounding and you hit the nail right on the head there with the creativity and i mean it's not that they reinvented the wheel they didn't i mean yes the races are are invented and whatnot but the you can tie them to the traditional tolkien-esque kind of races but they're different enough that they are unique they they are a fresh take on that so that it can be something that's that's fun and different like the silvari is like a way different way of playing a traditional night elf kind of character or the these here the asura being something more akin to the gnomes and whatnot so i i love that having read the books again which i 
again, I cannot recommend highly enough. I love the Asura race because they are just so full of goddamn spunk. It's unbelievable. <laughs> These <laughs> things, it is, uh, it's just a blast reading them because they're, well, first of all, they, Joe, this is your race because they are it full is. of themselves. They are short people oh, that yeah. are full of themselves and think they're smarter than everybody else. Your race, brother. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> the I'm okay with this. It's funny because when you read the uh, second novel, especially there's two of them that work closely together. And one of them is a golem master. And the other one is his, his disciple student, whatever you want to call it. And just the interactions between the two are priceless. Now, what's cool as well is when you're reading the novel, this character is when, when you get to see him within his own people as well, it's interesting because you have, you get to see that council dynamic and whatnot. And even though they're supposed to be, you know, the most important body within the, the, uh, the for lack of a better term, government of the Asura and whatnot, he doesn't want to be in it. It's, it's yep. a waste of his time. He actually wants to be inventing things. And that's what they're all about, inventing new things. And I love that you can choose different different schools of magic to specialize in kind of thing. And you can be that golem master or something else. And then it's the same thing as other games where you specialize in one and then you can get much stronger, but you can't do much in terms of the other one. So a golem master might not have very strong magic otherwise kind of thing, but their golems are freaking powerful. And I like that you can choose a character that by default is this tiny little race and yet they can have incredible power by being golem masters you know what i mean and so there's a lot of things a lot of diversity with the race and i mean we got to see in the gameplay footage uh, a warrior type of asura as well taking on that freaking bone dragon so there's a lot of things that you can do with them but again the same as with the silvari i love the backstory to these guys i really cannot wait to make an alt of any kind just so that i can experience the backstory to these guys okay we also got some news in terms of the pvp and pve for this joe there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the PvP and PvE uh, in Guild Wars 2. Specifically, they're widening the gap between the two. Uh, in every, every, just about every massive multi-online role-playing game, there are two very distinct games nestled in one little shell. First, you have your PvE, or player versus environment. This is where players' main focus is taking out quest NPCs or questing, uh, and includes dungeons and raids and things like that. PvP, or player versus player, is all about pitting your skills against another human opponent instead of just the computer. Each carries its own gear, specialization, and abilities, and each represent completely different player character builds. In Guild Wars 2, however, they take this and kind of, kind of take it a step further. PvP in Guild Wars 2 has two distinct flavors, PvP matches and world versus world PvP. Matches are where players select from pre-made max-level characters and only have to disperse their skill points. This is completely separate from the rest of the world and has no bearing on anything else that happens around them, and nothing that happens around them has any bearing on it. Uh, basically, it's its own little bubble. Players don't have to worry about carrying two sets of gear, worrying about their PvP versus PvE specs, and it generally alleviates some of the muss and fuss that goes into switching gears from one game mode to another. It's a very interesting style of gameplay that only one other game really does, and that's Lord of the Rings Online with their monster play. Um, well, the they, sec- not entirely which, true. Which I mean- is... 
Go ahead. You can do the same kind of thing with Guild Wars, the original as well, actually, where you can create a max level character just for PvP. True, but I mean, aside from just these games, no one else really does it. Yeah. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to make here. Um, The second PvP type, which is World versus World PvP. Um, What this does is it matches up servers against other servers in two-week PvP battles. Mm -hmm. In this system, the fighting doesn't take place in the same areas as the PvE does, but instead happens on a custom map specifically made for PvP. Unlike the first, though, players enter world versus world with their skills and gears obtained from PvE. It is completely possible to level entirely within these systems um, of the world versus world. Um, there is no confirmation as to how gear will be tailored for each activity, but we can safely assume that there will be specific PvP and PvE gear. Um, the idea here is that Guild Wars 2 has essentially made two separate games, one for PvP and one for PvP. It's an amazing an interesting take on the whole pvp paradigm and honestly more games might start doing this i think that there are definitely some pros and some cons the problem is is that yeah you don't have to worry about two different sets of of armor and two different sets of weapons and blah 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 and and your, your specs and whatnot however it does limit you in terms of just how much um uniqueness you can bring to your player your character that is going and fighting i mean when you're looking at a game again obvious comparison is to wow you can tail you i mean of course there's the the you know elitist jerks kind of best build best everything but you can play with it and you can have fun both with your 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 specs with your armor with your weapons your enchants your gems whatever you want to do it might not work but at least you have the option to try something different and in some cases if you try something different enough you have that potential to shock your opponent enough that you can sometimes get that little bit of an edge which is enough for you to win so to make something that is very sterile wherein it's everybody's got pretty much the same if you're choosing that kind of thing with the exception of how you choose to put your points and things like that for your your spec i don't know it's it again it has some pros and some cons and it does also very much separate your characters a lot of people define their play experience by who it is that they're playing their character it means that much so taking their character into PvP or PvE encounters, it still is important to them because, again, the definition is that it's their character. Taking that away and making it so that it's two completely different characters and one of them being a very generic one, that's actually one of the things I wasn't crazy about with Guild Wars because I did find it was disjointed. Now, in my experience, more so than any other RPG I've played, the Guild Wars community is really into their PvP. And... I enjoy PvP. I like to, you know, hop in every now and then, have a little bit of fun, get out before, you know, things happen. But, like, so nothing here really appeals to me. The the, the, the pre-made character thing, not, not my deal. I would like to have the PvP battles that we're seeing in the, you know, the giant world versus world battles just kind of on a standalone basis. Like, the being, you know, this huge, you know, high stakes battle between servers that doesn't appeal to me i i would like you know just give me a battleground i'm perfectly happy with a battleground do the fight get some points get some gear i'm fine with that if they could have that something like that standalone then it's something i'd try out in this game but just guild wars pvp terrifies me 
Well, I'm excited for it. Actually, let's talk about another MMO now, too, because we got a little bit of news in terms of the Old Republic. And I know that there's a lot of things that you can't talk about it, but there are some things that you still can talk about it. So what did you find out about it, Vince? All right. So our big Friday uh, info dump this week was about combat animations and just the life of the game, how there's no canned animations. You're not going to click a button and, you know, your character does its thing and then you can move on. Everything in this game is very dynamic. Uh, the first thing they talked about was, of course, the lightsabers. If you're doing a Star Wars game. You got to get the lightsabers right. And not just the actual melee blows of the, the blocking and the parrying, but also deflecting blaster bolts and how all this stuff happens behind the scenes and you're as a player you don't really realize how much is going on so that your character hits one guy blocks another deflects a blaster bolt and comes back around for another swing fluidly and this happens in melee combat at range while you're running the, all the various calculations they have to do and animations they had to do to make it fluid and make it just look good and in addition to being functional, it's I can only imagine the amount of work they put into it. Yeah, it's something that I noticed when I played it. Although I do wish that it, I, I know that it's not a mature rated game, but I would have liked, same as I do with a lot of other games, a little bit more realism. If you're slicing someone with a lightsaber, there's going to be at least maybe a little bit of blood, something, you know, you'd expect. Either no, that or maybe it, it cauterizes it. cauterizes, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. That's one of the things that I liked about Terra. I mean, it, it has a little bit of the the graphic, uh, I don't want to say appeal, but, you know, like the, it, it has that, slicing somebody it's gonna be slicing so but no it it is very cool it's i mean it wasn't a huge week for news for them but it was interesting to to get a little bit of the behind the scenes in terms of what goes into just how much work goes into those animations and like one of the more complicated things even more than that they're talking about is their ranged combat and ranged combat in this game is much more fluid than it is in most other MMOs where you target your enemy you point your bow or whatever somewhere vaguely in their direction and the arrow goes where it's supposed to not so much in the old republic if you are targeting an enemy your guns are always pointed at that enemy if you're behind cover if you're running if you're got somebody else standing in front of you hitting you with a giant laser sword you are always targeted on that enemy and again just how they had to animate things so that it seems fluid and not you know your your arms facing one way and your body facing another and I, I've seen in places that it it does make a difference. Did you just break the NDA? You just said no, it I've seen, you've no, seen there's it. all kinds of videos online. No, you're talking about <laughs> when you played it. Okay, you found out some news about the PvP as well. Yeah, yeah, some cool stuff about PvP. Um, there are no arenas planned for the game, but they do intend to put in a rated war zone system, much like we've seen with World of Warcraft's rated battlegrounds. That's fun. One that really interested me is there is going to be non-combat versions of player versus player competition, such as races or Pezak matches. Let the Wookiee win. <laughs> Always let the Wookiee win. <laughs> uh, going into how various class roles are going to affect them on the battlefield. Tanks are going to do something in PvP, goddammit. <laughs> Traditional tank skills are going to be used to mitigate damage in the game. For example, if the Sith warrior taunts the bounty hunter, the bounty hunter will only do full damage to the warrior 
and half damage to everybody else. So even if you are a tank spec character, you can be effective in the battleground. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's freaking awesome. They have the resolve system. Basically, when you have crowd control used on you, you have a little meter on right under your life bar that the enemies can also see if they choose. That builds up. Every time you get a crowd control used on you, you get another notch. Once it reaches maximum, it starts counting down. And the entire time you have that resolve effect on you, you are immune to crowd control. <laughs> so there's not going to be you know, chain stuns and all kinds of shenanigans going on here. It, it's no diminishing returns. So if the resolve isn't up, it's always going to work. So it, it's going to be an interesting wrinkle on the traditional system that we see. And then also the bolstering. Um, the game will try to match sides as evenly as possible as far as level ranges are concerned. If it's taking too long, if there's not enough people available, it will expand the search to various levels. And what it will do is it will bolster the lower leveled players in the match to be within 80% of the top players. So you could have theoretically a CD, uh, not so much tenacity. I, I don't, I don't want to say tenacity. But because it, it's still going to be equal players on each side, just that level 15 player is going to have the health and damage output of a level 25 player. But those level 25 players aren't going to be any stronger. So it allows you to have an even match. Now, you won't have all the skills necessarily, but your personal skill is then when that shines through. You can still participate and still be effective. Okay. It's, it's a system that I'm going to have to see in play to see just how effective it actually is. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it, it's nice to see that they're, they're really thinking about things and trying new things out, so I'm well, happy. They're trying to do things a little bit differently, too, which you got to give them credit for that. I mean, they're looking at the success of what we're seeing with different types of PvP encounters in other MMOs and saying, okay, well, how can we improve upon that and make it so that it's something that you can enjoy at all levels? Again, I can... I can appreciate that, but it's definitely something I'm going to have to see in play and see just how, how much I like it. Because, I mean, I do like to I do like to PvP. I like to go in and PvP. So it's going to be fun to see. Okay, let's move away from the MMOs now and touch actually on some Zelda because we got a little bit of news on Skyward Sword. Yeah, apparently Game Informer has a big feature coming up on Skyward Sword. And I was able to get a little bit of information uh, out of what they're talking about here. And... Uh, it's interesting. It, it, I'm still not sold on the game, but I'm liking where they're going with it. Uh, we know that the game is divided into the two realms, above the clouds and below the clouds. And the two realms are interconnected. For example, there, there are treasure chests you can find where on the ground it's this weird rune. You activate the rune, the treasure chest appears up in the clouds. And there's a lot of things like that where things you do on one side affect what happens on the other. Uh, Skyloft, which is the name of the world above the clouds, is very similar to the ocean in Wind Waker, which is kind of what we've seen with the bird and everything. But thankfully, travel is much faster. No hours of just sailing off into the friggin' horizon hoping you get to where you want to go. Uh, the overworld itself is a lot like is designed very similarly to the traditional Legend of Zelda dungeons. In other words, there are pre-scripted enemy encounters as well as puzzles you have to solve to progress. It's not just an open field to get from point A to point B. That's a nice touch for me. Uh, they've introduced a new 
mechanic to the game in climbing where there's going to be climbing puzzles even and it ties into a new stamina meter for example if you have to climb up this wall you don't have enough stamina to get from the bottom straight to the top you have to plan out your route and find special places where you can rest and regenerate your stamina it's something new to the legend of zelda franchise it's a welcome addition in my eyes uh they showed off some of the wiimote stuff uh like the bombs if you throw it overhand like will throw it if you do it underhand he'll roll it you can even put a little bit of English on the ball and get it to curve where you want, which is pretty cool. Uh, some new items. Pulling for Arcrots. <laughs> <laughs> some new items uh, that we have here the digging mitts, the whip, the dual claw shot. So now Link is Batman. <laughs> uh, parachute, bug net, a water tank, which I've heard functions a lot like the flood in Super Mario Sunshine, and a new musical instrument that will make use of the motion control. Uh, the items can actually be upgraded throughout the games. You go out there, you get gems, you, you get bugs, you get potions, whatever, and you can upgrade your equipment instead of you know always finding something new. Instead, you might just be upgrading your existing equipment. Uh, there's a new dousing mode where Link can enter a first-person mode and use his sword to guide him to hidden objects. Fun, okay. And the Silent Realm. This was pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of similar to the Shadow World in Link to the Past, where it's a twisted version of the regular world. And when Link enters, he has no weapons, no accessories, no nothing. It's him and his little green tunic against a bunch of scary monsters. And he has to use stealth and intelligence and tactics, not to defeat them, but just to avoid them and accomplish his objective. Joe, what's your excitement level on this game right now? I want it. I really do. Um, my main excitement really lie with all the cool features about this, um, with with all the, the the interesting stuff with the the mechanics and and the motion controls and everything else. I still can't get over the story and that it's a prequel, and that's where they had me. And I, I'm everything else is just icing on the cake at this point. It's like, yeah, I'll put a cherry on top of that and some rainbow sprinkles and some, you know fudge sauce and i'm gonna eat that bad boy because it's looking like it's going to be a fantastic addition to the the zelda franchise as a whole and it's been a while since i can honestly say that when a game hasn't been a handheld okay without going into into any food analogies um yeah no i felt the same you way tell i'm too. hungry yeah really um <laughs> bring me cake appease me i'm, I'm gonna make wine Continue. analogies <laughs> Okay, stop screaming too. God damn, your freaking mic is squelching <laughs> like crazy. Okay, so no, I was actually thinking the same thing too, ironically, where I was thinking that it's funny because when I, I look at all of the stuff that they're talking about with this, I am impressed. I, I really truly am. And yet I still keep going back to the story. And it's the story that's going to sell me on this one more than the last couple. I'm really looking forward to playing this one just so that I can experience that story again. And I know that it's something that I'm going to be able to play with my son. And he's a huge Zelda fan as well. And that he's going to absolutely love. Okay, let's move away from Zelda now and actually touch on some Dragon Age 2 news because we haven't touched on that for a while now. Why not talk about it now? Because they're talking about a DLC that's going to be coming out in October. That's going to be tying in with the uh, live action web series that's going to be put together by Felicia Day. And that is going to be Mark of the Assassin. That's the DLC. And in the DLC, you can play with the character that she plays in the uh, the web series. And that is Talus. And it's basically a big heist kind of thing in a dungeon. 
This is actually the kind of thing that I'm interested in because it's a kind of it's a separate thing, a separate encounter that you can go into and experience. And once it's done, it's done kind of thing. But it looks like it might have enough to actually, depending on the cost, which no price yet, I might actually pick this up to play. I've heard very good things about the previous DLC Legacy. So if from what I hear from people who were the test dummies and, and tried it out before me, if this is as good as the people claim Legacy is, it might rekindle my hope in the franchise. It's funny because, again, we I, I've got problems with the Dragon Age DLC. Not all of it, but some of it. And yet... I look at the, the the Mass Effect DLC, with the exception of the stupid freaking glasses, goggles, and stuff. But, I mean, when you're looking at Shadowbrook or whatnot, they can produce good DLC. And if it can be enough that in that game world, it's, it's good. It, it's not adding to the experience of what was in the game kind of thing, because that's a done deal. You're done with that. Just a comp- use that game world to create a fun little something that you can do with the the character that you created i actually yeah you know what i depending on the cost would and and just how long i can expect to to get for that money it's something that i might consider doing eh really eh honestly it's one of those things where i i didn't i i cared for dragon age 2 as little as possible could care less about the extra at this point Okay. No, honest opinion. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, it's, it's, it, uh, again, it's, um, I don't want to say it's surprising. It's just that that, that world is, uh, the world is, here's the thing. The world is great. I love the world that David Gator created. I love this. I love the novels. I love the first game. I love the expansion to the first game. And I love the vast majority of the DLCs for the first game. The second game didn't really do anything for me. It was, it, for me, it felt like an expanded DLC that wasn't worth the money. And, and, and I didn't get enough out of it. And it's also one of the few games that I've never finished. Yeah. See, I did finish that's, it. That's so sad. that's yeah. No, I I did finish it. So I feel a little bit differently than you do. Again, I'm not a I'm not ballistic over the second one. I I had some huge problems with it. That said, if they can create something that's different, because that's one of the main things that I had a problem with the with the original is that they they reuse the same things over and over and over again kind of thing. But if they can create like if this is a freaking dungeon that we've gone through already, how many times? <laughs> I've got a problem. This is not Even cool. Even if I won't buy it, I will shank somebody. Yeah, on there's principle. there's a problem here. But if it's a completely different dungeon, if there are different monsters in there, if there's if it's a different experience, and if the RP aspect, I shouldn't say RP, RPG aspect with this character is immersed enough that you really can enjoy it for the time that you're playing and feel immersed in it kind of thing. And if the voice acting is good enough, which if it's Felicia Day doing the voice acting, I don't know. Is I know that she did the, the web action thing. I, I'm actually not certain whether or not she is the one doing the voice of the character as well. Oh, it's her voice if you watch the video. Did we? Okay, yeah. So, I'm not even sure my love of Felicia Day is enough to make me want to buy it. I again, I'm gonna wait until I find out how much it is, and if it's a reasonable cause, I actually think I will pick it up to play it and and yeah. hope for the best. Hoogs is gonna lose his fucking mind. Yeah, basically. Hoogs, 
who is going to destroy his computer screen? Are you kidding me? All right, let's move away from that and now touch just ever so briefly on a couple of last things. We got some information about Project Draco, Draco, whatever. And um, Vince, what's your thoughts on this? If you liked the Panzer Dragoon games, you're going to love Project Draco. It's from uh, Yukio Furutsuki, who is the lead designer on the Panzer Dragoon games, as well as many other developers as part of that team. They're making this uh, for Kinect. And if I'm interested in the Kinect game, you know it has to be pretty darn good. Uh, They just show friggin' dragons, man. You're flying (laughs) dragons through the sky, using your body movements to bank roll you use your hands uh, they say it's similar to child of eden couldn't tell you didn't play that game but through the lore in the game the dragons are trained to respond to your every motion so you use your hands to target the enemies and a flick of the wrist causes the dragon to launch fucking fire at them <laughs> that's just cool as shit i don't care this game it, it it looks really cool i loved all the panzer dragoon games again sega kid so this this really has me interested, especially when they you have customizable, evolvable, collectible dragons that you can Gotta show off. Them. Oh. Exactly. Oh. That you can show off in online co-op. I I'm very interested, even though it's for Connect. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be awesome. It's the kind of game that I can see myself playing with the kids and having a blast, or just the kids playing together as well and having a blast. It's one of those things where I actually really like the Connect. And I was a huge fan of the the Panzer Dragoon series. I want this game. I, I really want this game. I'm actually very excited about it. I really like the idea of everything about it. I think it's just going to be an absolute hysterical blast. Okay, lastly, before we leave, it's funny because we've had discussions now where we've talked about um, our thoughts on the 3DS and where it's going and the shape it's in, and especially after the recent news with their conference and things like that, we, we're not looking at an update to the console, the handheld, this is what we're stuck with and whatnot. And so it's funny because I look at the when they had the price drop and I'm telling the wife, no, don't pick it up and whatnot. And then we get this. The freaking Jack. <sighs> Japanese site puts out some screenshots of Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney, which for the longest time they've said is going to be only out in Japan, and we still haven't gotten official confirmation whether it's coming to North America or not. But it's funny how a single game for some people can be considered a console seller. And I know that that's the case, of course, with the big consoles when you're looking at games like your Gran Turismo, games like your Halo and things like that, that are very much console sellers. Not so much with the handhelds, but seriously for me personally, I look at these and all it takes is the screenshots. I can't even read what it says. It's in Japanese. <laughs> the screenshots are alone alone are enough for me to look at this and think this would be enough for me to actually buy the console. Yeah, not Mario, not Link, not Kid Icarus, a guy in a top hat and a lawyer with a funny haircut. <laughs> it, yeah, assuming it comes west, which I, I would like to say is relatively certain, but given Capcom and especially Nintendo's recent track record, I'm not as hopeful as I otherwise would have been, but yeah. It'll find its way here. It damn well better. And if it does, Joe? Yeah, actually, I think I would pick this up, honestly. <laughs> I'm getting, I, you know, I, I almost, I, I feel shameful admitting it, but Professor Layton and Phoenix Wright, yeah, that's a fucking win combo. It's funny because it's true. It's I, I look at this and it's, 
it's funny that there's some people that I talk about games with that are more so strict RPG players or, you know, especially WoW players, that that's all they play kind of thing. And to try to explain to these people that you would shell out the cash <laughs> for a handheld and not an inexpensive one. I mean, because even at 170 bucks, that's still 170 bucks that you would shell out that kind of money for a game. I mean, and sure, I'll play other games on it, but that's the deciding factor is that one. And when you try to explain the concepts of what they are, <laughs> they think you're batshit crazy is what they think. But that's that's definitely for me. If they bring that out, uh, it's I I guess I'll be buying a, D, a 3DS. And I've in said the since sh- day one, when they can give me 3D Professor Layton, I'll be there. Yeah, well, it looks like it will probably be coming our way. Okay, with that, we're going to call it a wrap. Make sure to check out the show notes at ForTheLore.com, and you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. And, of course, if you have any comments or submissions or anything, you can send them to ForTheLore at gmail.com. You can find us next week again at the same time, quarter after seven pre-show on Mondays. With that, take care. What good is talking if you if I can't hear you? It's just the glorious sound of my voice. Okay then. <laughs> this is how I feel. I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, if you don't leave me alone, you're gonna have to send me home. Cause I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Good to know. <laughs> I told I told Joe too that he uh, unwittingly got rid of all of the stuff that we'd done. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "She told man, Vince is pissed." Oh, I did. I <laughs> don't, said, "Don't mention anything to." Him. <laughs> expect some uh, some feedback from this tonight when you show up. There's going to be some unhappiness. You know, I was even kind of thinking about that last night as I was doing. I was like, man, what would happen like if more than one of us is working on this at the same time? You know what? Ironically, so was I. Because <laughs> I had you both on AIM and I was talking to both of you at the same time. All I know is when I went to bed, I saved the draft, did a preview, paragraphs upon paragraphs. I believe you. <laughs> you don't have to convince me. I believe you because I had done some stuff as well because because <laughs> Joe no longer even bothers with the tags. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Screw tags. <laughs> what the hell's that about? I cannot figure this out. It is too complicated for me. I hear you mock me. You can sock puppets. Opportunities. Screw your sock puppets. Screw your sock puppets. Put these back on. <laughs> All right. Sock puppets. Sock bucket. Sock Puppet Theater sing the Homeless Blues. Come on. that's That's got YouTube gold written all over that it. Is, that would go viral. That might go down as one of the biggest jeers of the year. I'm not sure. That would be awesome. Uh-huh. I may actually do it. I'm, I'm sure you will. No, no. I'm not so sure, but I may. <laughs> but if I do, there'll be a box and a curtain involved. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna do something, overdo it. 
You're gonna have your kid like macrame or, or like you know macaroni glue stuff to the side of the thing. Oh, in the background, actually, like there a little go. paper mache moon or or something. You know, a little <laughs> alley kind of thing. <laughs> Draw an alley with a moon. Oh, dude, it's done. Okay, now it's official. <laughs> now it's getting done. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna do it. I'm doing it. It's a done deal. I don't think you're gonna do it. I don't X. think you're going to do it. Okay, dude, if I do it. <laughs> you sell me that variant like a drunk french woody woodpecker what how do we You're get like, eh. no, no 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 listen listen so if i do it you sell me that variant you're just trying anything you can to get that variant. oh now now we're gonna let go of that now now it's like joe i will embarrass you and then I will let you give. I will allow you that, to tell me something. How is that embarrassing? I embarrass you. Your logic is brilliant. I'm just going to throw that out there. How is that embarrassing? How is it Stop embarrassing? Singing the homeless gamer blues. It's not hmm. embarrassing. Hmm. Oh, grow a pair. It's not embarrassing. Not at all. You you got Socks. a home. Socks are going to have holes in them. You go. You yes. <laughs> and I and I was gonna sew some eyes, some some buttons for eyes. <laughs> oh, this is happening! This is so happening. Bring up a little harmonica out of paper clips, <laughs> put it around its neck. <laughs> He's loving the idea oh way God. too much. I almost sprayed wine all over my desk. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Oh yeah, start warming up the old pipes. It's happening. It's it is on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> oh, awesome! Even your girlfriend thinks I should do it, dude. <laughs> she's, yes, because Ray is full of great ideas all the time. She's gonna knit me a freaking bag just for doing it. <laughs> Again, I love my girlfriend. <laughs> I do. I love her. Uh, However, we stopped. I gotta press the right button though. Hold on. Which one is it again? Thunder <laughs> <laughs> eye for intro. How much wine? Dude, it was only three quarters of a bottle. Hey, I'm doing better than we started. You can ask Vince. <laughs> All right. Well, we set the bar really low, Roger. I mean, brother, that's not helping. You know what? After your screw up this weekend, I don't think you get to say anything. You should be groveling right now. Shit happens. No, no, wrong. <laughs> that is not how you you grovel. I don't know who taught you to I, grovel, I but grovel. they were they were not very skilled in the art of groveling. Roger, I'm Italian and Puerto Rican. We don't grovel. No. We steal hubcaps. Yeah. Well, you can admit when you screwed up. I did admit I screwed up. Suck it up. And, and then I said, shit happens. That's not and we the move same. On. No, we don't. And we move on. No, we we hang on to this and we let it fester in us, in our, our infested liver that, that's, that's wine-soaked. And we let it just fester there until it's full of anger. And then we release that anger in, like, you know, a couple of years. You silly fucking French. That's how we do things. Form of the YouTube sock puppet <laughs> music video. It's gonna <laughs> happen. It's so gonna happen. I'll Hello, my name is Joe, and I am from For the Lord. For the Lord. <laughs> Next time I'm going to do it all as Mandy Topinkin. <laughs> happy trees. Happy trees. Happy trees. 
I had to take out a lot of dramatic pauses. That's fine. <laughs> Vince, you're just as bad. <laughs> I'm sure. 